Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 119. It's June 11th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. I want to start out with an apology. I'm having some technical difficulties. The audio is not up to par. There's a great deal of background noise. Please bear with the quality problems. We're going to be talking about a very interesting topic, and I think you're going to be happy that you listened in today. In today's episode, we're going to talk about Wendy's Restaurant and the announcement that they made last week that they would be purchasing $1.4 billion in a stock buyback to occur over the next year and a half. Now, the reason this is important is because this is just characteristic of what I believe is plaguing Wall Street right now because of the cheap money that's offered because of the Federal Reserve's manipulation of interest rates, which allows companies to borrow money cheaply and then buy back their own stock. Now, this is good news for people that own stocks because it's been one of the primary drivers over the last three years that have pushed stock prices higher. I say that this is plaguing Wall Street because we're seeing it occur at all companies. We're seeing it occur at great companies like a Apple or a Google, and we're also seeing it on the old stodgy dog-type companies that have been struggling for years to improve their balance sheet, people like International Business Machine, IBM. And while stock buybacks in and of themselves are not bad, the reason I think it's become a major issue now is because stocks are at all-time highs. And so these companies are taking money, and rather than applying that money to make capital investments to improve the products and services that they offer, what they're doing is, is they're buying their own stocks back at high prices, which have very high valuations. The other problem with this is, is that they're not buying it with cash. A company like Apple, which has literally hundreds of billions of dollars on its balance sheet, is going out and borrowing money at low interest rates and then using that debt to finance its buybacks. Now, I don't lose any sleep over Apple doing that because they do have so much money in their war chest. They can weather a storm. They're also a great company that's been growing for decades. But you look at another company, an old dog stock like IBM, they're using the same balance sheet engineering, but they don't have the growth and the sales and the profitability that Apple does. The reason I call this balance sheet engineering is what companies are doing, and especially companies like IBM, they're not growing. They're not growing their top line in sales, nor are they growing their bottom line in profitability. Now, what they do to mask that is, is they buy their own stocks with this debt. It's generated from cheap interest rates. This allows them to reduce the number of shares that are on the market. And because of the way that profitability is calculated and valuation is calculated, it's based on a per share basis. And so they can look like they're growing their bottom line and increasing their profits, even though they're not. So just a quick example, here's how it would work. Let's just say a company had a million shares in the marketplace and they were earning $1 per share. So that would mean they had $1 million in earnings. So last year they made a million dollars. This year they didn't have any increase in their earnings. They still only made a million dollars. But because interest rates are so low, they can go out very inexpensively and very cheaply and borrow enough money to repurchase and have a stock buyback of, say, 250,000 shares of their stock. Now, when a company buys back its own shares of stock, it takes that stock off the market. That means it's no longer available for anybody else to purchase. So while last year this company would have had a million shares on the market, today they only have 750,000. You say, well, so what? That's no big deal. Well, it isn't a big deal unless you're trying to balance sheet engineer your profits. You see, now they still only have $1 million in profits. But since there are only 750 million shares in the marketplace, 
they can report their earnings as a dollar thirty-three cents per share. Last year, they only reported earnings of a dollar a share. So it looks like they've increased their earnings by thirty-three percent. When in fact, their earnings are flat. They just went out and took on debt and used that debt to buy back twenty-five percent of their stock. Now you would say, well, that's insane. Who would do that? That's not going to fool or trick anybody. But that's exactly what's been happening on Wall Street for a good three or four years now. And as I say, it's happened from all the companies, from the best companies all the way down to the dogs. And today we're going to talk about Wendy's, which, in my opinion, is pretty much one of the dogs on the stock market. Now, despite the fact that they aren't a very good company, their stock is up something like thirty percent, maybe thirty-five percent in the last year. Now, that has been driven by two reasons. One reason is is that all the fast food restaurants got a bump in enthusiasm from the lower cost of gas and oil and petroleum products. That started happening last October. So for the most part, Wendy's was favored, just like all the other fast food restaurant, you know, franchises were. The theory being that the less money you spend on putting gasoline in your car, the more money you're going to spend going through the drive-through. The other reason that Wendy's stock has appreciated in the last year or so is that they have gone in and had a major renovation and a revamping of most of their restaurants. They put up new signs, they cleaned things up a little bit, they tried to do some things with their menu. So that also has helped to price their stock. But this is a company that's been in decline since I think around the year 2000, maybe 2001. Their stock back then had been trading for around $30 a share. By the time the uh, the recession kicked in in 2008, they were trading around the four or five dollars uh, a share range, and they stayed that way all the way until about two years ago. I think it was in uh, 2013 that they started to, reco to recover. And again, that's because they started putting a new emphasis on making the restaurants look better and just trying to redesign things and re revamp things. So their stock has appreciated quite a bit since 2013. And over the last two years, the stock has pretty much doubled. I really don't have any problem with that. I think that's part of a normal recovery and rebuilding from a company that let themselves, you know, fall back behind the times. In Wendy's case, having outdated restaurants, uh, competing in a market that in general has been losing sales. And, you know, so coming out of that, trying to rebuild themselves, I think this appreciation since 2013 is, is probably somewhat justified. I'd say at least 75% of it. This is a company stock that has been rewarded for trying to get their act together and trying to have some type of a, a turnaround strategy. So no problem there. The problem I have is with their announcement last week that they're going to go out and borrow $1.4 billion to buy back about 25% of their stock. So it's just like that example I gave you a few minutes ago where we said, well, that's outrageous. You know, who would just go out and buy back 25% of their stock to make their balance sheet look better? Well, I don't know what Wendy's intentions are. But to me, that's what it looks like. It looks like just another charade on Wall Street that we're seeing companies use to mask their poor performance. Let me tell you a little bit about what that $1.4 billion represents. And I'm getting most of these numbers from Yahoo Finance. So this is something that just you or any average investor can go out and easily look up for themselves. You don't have to be paying $2,000 a month for a Bloomberg terminal to sort through the headlines and figure this information out. Remember, here at the Wealth Study Podcast, I'm not just going to throw out facts and figures for you. I want to teach you how to think for yourself. I want to teach you how to be able to read the headlines and then drill down on what's really important to help you make more money in the stock market. Well, first of all, as far as Wendy's buyback, I said that they're buying this, you know, kind of at the top of their price at a very high premium, and that to me that didn't make a lot of sense. What I mean by that is right now, if you look at their forward earnings, you look at the amount of money that they're projected to make over the next 12 months, 
and you divide that out by their current selling price, which right, which is right around eleven dollars. Well, that gives them a forward valuation. This would be a forward price per earnings ratio of about thirty-four or thirty-five times. Now, that in and of itself isn't bad, even though historically we would think that a middle-of-the-road, stable, moderate growth type company is probably going to be more around fifteen or sixteen times. So these guys are clearly twice that much. Again, that's not necessarily bad, particularly if you're talking about a biotech stock or a technology company that's growing at a fast rate. But Wendy's isn't growing, and that's the whole point. Over the last three years, their sales on average have gone down by 6%. They're serving less customers, and the customers that are going there are spending less money. And even though I mentioned they're, re they're revamping their stores, they're trying to have some type of a turnaround, well, even over just the last quarter, they saw their sales drop by about 11%. And again, this is at the same time when the consumer supposedly has more money in their pocket to spend because they're spending less on gasoline. So that's why I believe that Wendy's stock is overvalued. And for their management now to be coming out and saying, well, we're going to buy back $1.4 billion, that doesn't make a lot of financial sense to me. Well, it doesn't make a lot of financial sense if you're investing in the company for the long term. Again, like I said, I don't know the intentions of the management over at Wendy's, but I'll tell you this. Why would they buy back the stock when it's at a seven-year high and the valuation is at a 34, 35 times when, in fact, their sales are declining? Why would they do that? Well, maybe it has to do with the fact that insiders in the company are cashing out. And it also could have to do with the fact that management's bonuses are tied to appreciation in the stock price. These are things that you always have to ask yourself before you invest in a company. You know, are you investing in it for the short term or for the long term? Now, if you simply want to buy Wendy's stock because you heard this announcement, you know that they're going to be taking off 25% of the shares that are currently on the marketplace. With supply and demand, you assume that that's going to you know, push the price up higher, like we've seen this happen over and over again on Wall Street. So you come in, you buy the stock at around $11. Maybe next month or four months from now, you sell it for $12 or $13. You take your profit, you're out. I'm a swing trader. I get that. I have no problem with that. Where my problem is, is that long-term to me, this doesn't make any sense. And although I'm not a long-term investor, as a swing trader, I know the only way I can make profits is if the overall health and stability of the stock market is maintained. And that can only happen when companies are consistently growing and profiting year after year. Although I'm not going to buy and hold stocks for the long-term, I want that stability in the marketplace. That allows me to go in and selectively choose which stocks I'm going to swing trade in and out of. But we have to have a consistent generation of profits and increased earnings occurring throughout the stock market for my method to work. So even if your investment strategy is not to buy and hold, you still want to preserve the overall integrity of the stock market by having these long-term companies and institutions generating profits and encouraging other people to put their savings and investments into the stock market. Well, the problem with these buybacks is that they're not doing anything for the long-term health and stability of the companies or the stock market. Wendy's top-line sales, if you add up all the french fries and hamburgers and chicken nuggets and whatever else they sell there, you add all that up, in a year they only generate about $2 billion in sales. Well, that means that they're committing 70% of their top-line sales to the stock buyback. That's how much money $1.4 billion is. So to put that in perspective, that's like eight and a half months of top-line sales. Every single dollar that flows into their restaurants for eight and a half months. 
That's how much money it would take to buy back 25% of the stock. And we're talking about top-line sales here. So that's not even what they make in profit. That's just a cash flow that's coming into the restaurant. Now, of course, they're using debt to do this. So I'm making a little bit of an apples and orange comparison here. But I just, I'm saying this just to paint you the picture of how much $1.4 billion is. They're basically giving up almost nine months in top-line sales to put to buying back this stock. Another way to look at it is to look at it based on their earnings. Now, they don't have very good profit margins. They're, they're only making, I don't know, 5 6% profit margin, I believe. So according to Yahoo Finance, their net income last year was only a little bit more than $100 million. So assuming that they were going to use their income to fund this stock buyback, they would have to take every dollar that they make over the next 13 and a half years just to pay for the buyback of the stock that they're going to purchase over the next 18 months. Think about that. That's every bit of profit would have to be absorbed over the next 13 and a half years at current rates just to buy back their stock. Does that make sense to you? I don't see this as offering anything productive. I only see this as masking over the problems, papering over the issues, and trying to make their bottom line look better than it is. Why would you commit almost 14 years of your earnings to buying back your stock at a time when your sales are decreasing? In Wealth Building Principle number three, I talk about production being the source of wealth. In the show notes, I'll have a link over that episode, so if you haven't heard it, you can listen to it. But see, that's the bottom line in building wealth. Wealth just doesn't happen because someone creates it. Wealth occurs because of production. Whether you're an employee or a business owner or an entrepreneur or whatever you are, you can't go out and create wealth just because you have a degree from an Ivy League school or just because you're the best singer in the world or just because you're really good at math, right? You have to take whatever it is that skill and ability that you have as an individual and then collectively as all the employees in that company, you have to take all those abilities, all those talents, and from that, create products and services that people want to buy and that you can sell to them at a profit. That's how wealth is created. And it all boils down to production. You have to be productive. You have to create things. You have to value add. And the only way for a company that's currently in business to make more money each year and to grow proportionally is for them to get better every year, to be able to produce at a better rate, to make things faster, cheaper, or to make things that are higher value. And although they're not less expensive, people are willing to pay more for them each year because they get better. So I don't fault Wendy's company for borrowing $1.4 billion if they were going to try and make their company better. If they were taking on that debt and then using that $1.4 billion to make their hamburgers taste better, or to train their employees so that they can provide better customer service, or to buy automation so that they can reduce their overall headcount, I would understand that. I would support that. I would say that that would probably be a good investment of $1.4 billion because that investment would allow them to create products and services that are either better or products and services that are less expensive. That would be good for the restaurant. That would be good for the consumer. That would be good for the overall economy. And that's how companies on Wall Street grow and add value, and consequently why people like us want to put our retirement savings into Wall Street, because we believe that over time these companies are going to continue to appreciate and profit because they're making wise use of the capital that we provide to them, that they know how to allocate it in a proper manner. But when these companies are simply going out and doing stock buybacks so it looks like their profitability is increasing when it really isn't and that nothing is added to the bottom line, it's just an illusion, it's a charade, 
There's no improvement to the products or services. There's no reason for existing customers to spend more money. These companies aren't creating any value that's going to attract new customers. So where can the growth come from? You see there's no production, and if there's no production, it violates wealth building principle number three. And so without production, there can't be wealth. That's what worries me. It worries me about Wendy's stock right now. It worries me about the overall sick buyback syndrome that swept Wall Street at epidemic proportions over these last three years or so. It's occurring because our Federal Reserve and other central banks around the world have manipulated interest rates with quantitative easing. It's providing a lot of cheap money and a lot of cheap capital to these CEOs so they go out and make poor decisions in economics. That's what we would call malinvestments. I think it's easy to draw a parallel between what we're seeing happen on Wall Street right now and what happened to the subprime loan borrowers back in the early and mid-2000s. People with no money and no business buying houses went out and were able to get 3% loans on a first mortgage that they couldn't even afford. They had to go out and get a second mortgage just to pay the 3% down payment for the first mortgage. It made everything look like things were going great. The economy was chugging along. Home sales and lumber and all kinds of commodity prices were up because everybody was buying these houses. It gave the illusion, it gave the charade that we had a healthy economy. But over time, what happened? There was no real production. The people that took these loans that couldn't afford them, they had tickler interest rates that were adjustable, and at some point, those rates were raised. The borrowers were unable to pay that, or they lost their job, and within a few months, because they didn't have any savings, they couldn't make their mortgage payments, and so they lost their house because of that. Or something happened, an illness, a divorce in the family, it caused one of the income earners to lose their paycheck. And again, because of that, they couldn't make their mortgage payments. They lost their homes. It was cataclysmic. It occurred throughout the economy. It occurred because the housing bubble was predicated on cheap money and people that made malinvestments in homes that they couldn't afford. I draw that parallel to what's happening now with the buybacks in the stock market. Now, with all these stock buybacks and all this malinvestment, does it mean that the market's going to crash tomorrow? No, it doesn't. And just like the housing market looked stable in 2002 and 2003 and 2004, the market at its very high valuations, it's 17, 18 times forward earnings for the S&P overall. Those are historically high values, but it's easy to rationalize to yourself that it makes sense, that it's a new economy, that it's a new normal. Everybody around you is making money and profiting in the stock market. They're all invested. And so just like the home buyer back in 2005, that home buyer was lured into a false sense of security that the housing market was a safe place for them in, to invest and that the amount of money that they were going to buy this next house for was a good investment because real estate kept appreciating and the prices never came down. Well, that bubble broke. It, it took to about 2007, 2008 for it to, to pop and it to rupture, but it did. It was a long time in coming and that's why it was so painful. I don't know if our next stock market correction will be as painful as the last one, but these stock buybacks that have been occurring over these last few years, which have been pumping up and inflating the price of stocks, just don't make sense. The current valuations are just too high unless something can change over the next 12 to 18 months, which can spur the economy and create more profits to keep up with these valuations. But that just doesn't look like it's occurring. Just this week, the International Monetary Fund downgraded their estimates of the United States GDP. They lowered the projection down to about 2.5%. Now, that's the same number we've heard ever since the recession. We keep hearing that the economy is going to hit escape velocity, that with all this deficit spending and all this quantitative easing, 
the economy is going to grow at 3.5 or 3.75 or 4% growth rate. Well, that's not happening. It didn't happen seven years ago. It's not happening now. I have no idea if it will happen next year, but right now it looks like for the next six months or more, we're stuck at 2.5% growth. Well, 2.5% growth doesn't justify earnings valuation on the S&P 500 of 17 or 18 times. That number should be more like 15. Again, I have no idea if we'll see a correction and the valuations will drop back down to that 15 times earnings, which would put the S&P 500 somewhere around the 1880 level. Will that 10% correction take place this summer? I have no idea, but it is the main driver of why I continue to be cautious right now in a market that looks like we may be having some more of this short-term recovery, bouncing off the 50-day moving average, just part of the personality of the stock market that we talked about in the last episode, that up and down 3-4% trading in a very limited range. For now, I continue to just keep my powder dry. I'm going to be patient, and I'll see if things pay off for me. Now, this podcast, I'm not making any recommendations. I can't tell you what to do. I don't know what's best for your particular financial situation, so I'm not offering you any advice. I'm simply talking out loud, sharing my thoughts and opinions with you, and I hope I'm helping to teach you not only how to invest in the stock market, but how to build your wealth. Until our next episode, this is John Pugliano wishing you the very best of returns.